Welcome back, folks, to another Soul Driven interview. What is up? Thank you so much for being here. And make sure that you hang out until the latter part of this interview because our guest today, Zachariah, is going to be sharing some of his Ricky infused music with us live. And I can't wait. I can't wait. He's put out an album. He's done an EP. He's done some really cool things. And yeah, we're going to dive into all of that in just a minute. But first of all, I've got some big news for you. So if you have been wanting to join one of my Access the Akashic Records workshops, this is the time. We've only got a couple of tickets left. It happens on Monday. And most importantly, I will not be offering this workshop in May. And there's a good chance that I won't be bringing it back live. I'm not fully sure yet, but what I do know is that I'm going to be dedicating myself to creating and and pulling into fruition my Access Your Akashic Soul course, which is something that I've been working on since the middle of 2021. And I'm so excited for this course. (laughs) I wanted to bring it out earlier this year, but it just... You know, when the energy, the things don't align, you can push, you can pull, you can get frustrated, but it just is what it is. And I have had to, uh, yeah, I've had to let go a couple of times, (laughs) but this is the Akashic course that I wish I could have taken because so much of the education, and it's interesting that Zachariah and I get into this a bit in our interview, but so much of the education out there is just, it's a lot of information in a really short of time, and then they kind of push you out there. And this is going to be the opposite of it. Six weeks, we're going to be doing lots of practicing. You're going to get to know your intuitive gifts. Um, I'm going to be bringing in other practitioners so that you can see a wide variety of ways that the records are read. Uh, We'll be utilizing a bunch of different prayers so you can access them. I mean, there's going to be so much in this course. I'm just, I'm really pumped, really, really pumped. So bringing my, taking a deep breath here before I just get too excited and explode. (laughs) But yes, so make sure you sign up for the workshop. If that is something you're interested in, it will be a great primer for you to see if like a course is really aligned for you. You know, um, I wish I had gotten to take a workshop just so that I could check it out. And then I could have dove into the courses, um, in the midst of my, you know, journey with the Akashic records, I ended up doing two courses a beginner and an advanced. And I gotta tell you, they were lacking, which is another reason why I'm so excited for my course. Um, but this workshop on Monday, great way to see if this is something that you are interested in and want to put more investment into. So check it out. You'll be walking away with all of the tools that you need to get your practice going with the Akashic Records tools, meditations. And if you can't join live, not a problem. Everyone gets the replay. And those are for you to download and keep for yourself so that you can revisit it as many times as you need to. Because, you know, not all of us need a course. Uh, For me personally, I really wanted a teacher to geek out with. I wanted uh, a community to really get to know. Um, I wanted a number of different things. But you know, that's not necessary for everyone. So the workshop could be all you need. Check it out. There's only a couple of tickets left. 
And yeah, I would love, love to see your beautiful face. And the second thing I just want to share with you is that if you are looking to gain some understanding about your relationships, past lives, soul family, your life purpose, any of these beautiful things, book a session with me, an Akashic soul reading. New clients, you can use the code NEWBEGINNING to receive 10% off for a 90-minute reading, which highly recommend if it's your first time. But yeah, you will find all of these links in the show notes. Okay, so Zachariah Grace. Y'all, I'm excited for this discussion. I asked, you know, I, I have known Zachariah on Facebook. We've been like Facebook friends because we are, we have a mutual friend. We have a couple of mutual friends actually, but I had never spoken to him before. And I've been watching his journey and watching the things that have kind of unfolded in his life from Facebook, you know, and, um, it's been touch and go here, but, um, I, when I approached him with this, I, I asked him if he would be willing to be very personal with us, to be vulnerable and share his story and what it is that he's been going through on his journey. And he was, he was totally open to it. He understood just how powerful and valuable this would be for you. So we talk about surrender, you know, finding clarity <laughs> through, through messy mistakes, through messy life happenings. Um, he shares with us this beautiful story about his mother and Riki and how all of these things have really come full circle in addition to, um, his soul or his sound healing, this Riki infused music, music, which is just gorgeous. I have really been enjoying his album on Spotify. Highly recommend, um, and we geeked out a bit on Sakem, which is an energy healing modality from Egyptian times, which uh, is one of his one of his modalities, like one of his specialties, I should say. And I am man, I, I this is a personal thing that I'm going to be looking into more this year. That's all I have to say. But I think you're going to so enjoy this interview. And let me share his bio with you. Okay, so Zachariah Grace is a Reiki master teacher and sound healer from Santa Fe, New Mexico. He is the founder and owner of Southwest School of Reiki and Online Reiki Academy. In addition, he has practiced massage therapy since 2012 and teaches massage therapy. He's also a recording artist with his album Walking Home and his 30-minute EP single Sacred Waters, available on all major streaming platforms. Plus, Grace offers Reiki-infused healing events, around the U.S. and has become internationally recognized for his healing sounds. I think you're going to love this. I'm so pumped to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us again. Let me know how this resonates with you. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast and please share this with anyone who could benefit from it. Thank you so much. See you on the other side. Welcome to the Soul Driven Podcast. I believe that when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. If you are searching for meaning and purpose, if you are unsure about how to combine the spiritual with the everyday, if you are ready to uncover who you truly are, then you've come to the right place. The Soul Driven Podcast is dedicated to exploring the intersection of living a soulful and spiritual life in a driven and ambitious world. 
Join me for practical guidance, truthful discussions, and interviews with people who are successfully living a soul-driven life. My name is Anna Hendricks, spiritual guide, marketer, and your host. Thank you for being here. All right, folks, welcome back, and thank you for joining us for another soul-driven interview. So good to have you with us. Today, I am excited to introduce you to Zachariah Grace, a Reiki master teacher and sound healer. Welcome to the Soul Driven Podcast, Zachariah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So good to have you. Appreciate that. <laughs> it seems like you've got a bit of windstorm on your end. What's, what's, what's happening in, is it Santa Fe? Is that where you're located? Yeah, I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it sounds as though the winds of change are at our door. <laughs> <laughs> it's that Jupiter-Neptune conjunction. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it's here. It's with us. Um, well, welcome, welcome. So a little bit of background about my connection with Zachariah. We both know um, Neil who is, uh, who has been a guest on this podcast. I can't speak here. Who has been a guest on this podcast a couple of times. And I've been watching Zachariah online for a couple of years now, just watching what it is that you do. We've connected multiple times about Reiki and I have been privy to seeing this beautiful birth of sound healing that has come into your life. And I'm so excited to have you with us today. We've got, I don't know, quite a few things to jump into and talk about. But where I always like to start with my guests is my first question. So what makes you soul driven? Hmm. I think for me, regardless of what it is that I'm doing, whether it's Reiki or sound healing or teaching a workshop, what drives my soul is really just being a channel, being of service in some way, um, listening and allowing things to flow as opposed to having an agenda and trying to make things happen a certain way. Um, learning how to surrender and listen and just be a channel for what needs to come through in that moment. I love that. I feel like that takes a lot of self-awareness, right? To be able to step out of the way so that you can just be a channel. Do you believe that that's something that comes quite natural to you? No, I think it's something that I've had to really work on over the years of distinguishing what is my ego or my personality self's desire and what is truly like my soul driving, driving the bus, so to speak. Um, and there's been quite a bit of trial and error over the last 10 years of, you know, doing that. And I finally feel now, and of course, there's going to be this fluctuation up and down, but I finally feel now as though I've learned how to step out of the way and allow things to flow through and just let go of attachment to what my ego thinks needs to happen in order for me to accomplish my soul mission, so to speak. That's huge. I've definitely, I've had guests on the show who've talked about, you know, the difference um, with them being soul driven is just that, you know, knowing when, knowing the difference between like when their ego is talking, when their soul is talking. And 
I, you know, I believe that the ego plays such an important role for us, right? Like the ego helps us to have boundaries. The ego helps us to show up for ourselves, those sorts of Mm -hmm. things. But, you know, in regards to it getting in the way of our soul, that can be a complicated thing to uncover, right? Like it's not very clear where that line delineates. Totally. Well, I think like, you know, we need an ego to exist in this physical world that we live in. You know, we need that. It's just a matter of getting the desires of the ego to match the desires of the soul and kind of getting those two aspects of ourselves to communicate with each other and get on the same page. And once they do, which usually requires a lot of ego death, so to speak, of like letting go of this idea of what it is that we are and what it is that we're supposed to be, to kind of get the download of what it is that our soul is trying to guide us to do. Mm. So what you're talking about is kind of like bringing the ego and the soul together. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Getting them to meet each other and have a conversation with each other and um, understand each other and get on the same page. Can you, can you share with us any examples um, or any tips for doing this, I guess? Or like how this might have culminated for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think, you know, uh, a recent example of this for me is that for the past couple years since 2020, I started an online Reiki Academy, which was like an online training for Reiki. Um, And I really put my heart and soul into doing this thing and hired business coaches to teach me how to do all the business aspect of thing and like really just put a lot of time and energy into trying to make this thing work. And I experienced both like total flow and had some like great experiences and then like moments of just like, wow, this is not flowing at all. Um, And at the beginning of this year, I had made a decision to just let it go. I felt like, you know, all the energy and time that I had put into it, I was like, well, I guess that's just for nothing. And kind of had this very like powerless experience of like, I, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. So just completely surrendered. And in that moment of surrender and just letting go of what I thought I was supposed to be doing, that's when the moment came where all these different opportunities that were totally unexpected to me just started presenting. And as a result of that, now like things with online Reiki Academy are flowing again, but it's not because I put all this energy into like hustling and grinding and making the thing work. It was more like now it's in alignment and now it's in flow. Um, And so it just feels different, you know? And so I think it was, again, it was kind of like an ego death, so to speak, where the idea of how it was supposed to happen, I needed to completely let go of that and just like, say okay universe like show me the way um and then you know all the stuff with the sound healing started to take off and as a result of that people have been contacting me about online reiki academy and signing up for that now so it's just interesting how i had to come to a place of complete surrender and just letting go of this idea altogether of doing online reiki academy and in that this whole new energy was able to come in and it wasn't that I was supposed to let go of online Reiki Academy. It's that I needed to let go of the way that I was going about doing online Reiki Academy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting to me because of course I've been a business owner for, oh gosh, over a decade. And 
as I was sharing with you before we started recording, I'm very action oriented. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not someone who's ever lacked initiative. In fact, if anything, I've, I've gotten in trouble because I've had too much. I've pushed <laughs> too hard. I'm uh, very, I think, set up in my masculine in that way when it comes to creating something and putting something together. Yeah. And I really enjoy that process as well. It comes very naturally to me. But, um, you know, something that I've always just like, even when I was younger, I I would always be like, okay, God, you know, because I knew that like room needed to be left for the magic, right. For the universe to be able to come in and step in and, and fill it with probably something that's so much better than I could possibly imagine. Right. But like, I, really, I didn't know where that line was, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, like how does one tell where that line is? Like, do you, do we really always have to get to this place where we just kind of collapse in the midst of, of trying before we transition? Is that a lesson that we learn over time? Um, I'd love to hear your input on that. Sure. Yeah. So I think like, we kind of teeter-totter between these two extremes, right? Of like putting in all the action and then like being completely passive and like not doing anything. And I think it's it's necessary to kind of swing back and forth between these two extremes so that we can find that balance between the two. Because it is important. You need to be putting in action. You know, you can't just get really clear about the thing you want to do and then not put any action into it and expect for the universe to just like deliver you your silver platter. And at the same time, it's not all action either. You can't just be like trying to force the thing to happen by putting all this energy into doing it and then like not leaving any room for spirit or the universe to come in and be like, boom, here we go. So it's that balance. And I, and I think it is necessary to kind of fluctuate between the two extremes so that we can find that balanced middle path of like showing up and taking action and also letting go and allowing things to unfold naturally. Yeah. It's that, it's that careful play between like the yin and the yang, the masculine and the feminine for me. Like I know in the midst of building my spiritual business, you know, this is my third business. Mm -hmm. And of course I was just sharing, like I've always gone out and like done the thing, built the thing, Mm -hmm. grown the thing. And last year in 2021, um, in the midst of, you know, me getting a little bit of inspiration and like running with it, the universe totally put on the brakes for me. And my guides were just like, whoa, (laughs) you are not going to build this business the way that you've built all of the others. A, you will be doing this with us. (laughs) Um, And B, this is about you stepping into your feminine. This is about you learning to allow and to make space for. And, and this has definitely been something that's been difficult for me. And yet at the same time, so magical, right? Learning how to get in that flow of the yin and the yang of the action and the allowing. I mean, it's such a process, right? It's, I think it really takes a lot um, Absolutely. so I, I want to kind of take a step back. So the, the two main focuses of your life right now are obviously like Reiki and sound healing. Um, but I'd love to like lay some foundation with, you know, for folks who aren't familiar with you or your work. Um, so 
if you could share with us a little bit about your background and kind of how you came to Reiki mm-hmm. in from the beginning. Cool. So I'll start by saying that my mom was a Reiki master teacher, um, as well as something called an Isis Sikhem master. Sikhem mm. is like an Egyptian form of energy healing, which I'm happy to talk about as well. But some of my earliest memories are of my mom laying her hands on my back when I was a small child and just feeling this like really warm, loving energy radiating into my body that would just completely relax me as a child because I was a bit fiery as a child and like had a lot of energy. Um, And so my mom was able to use Reiki with me quite a bit. And that really became an important connection point for me and my mom just as a child. And then in the year 2000, we lived in Maryland at the time. Um, My mom wanted to move to a part of the country where she could really have a community of like like minded people, people that were on this more spiritual path, I guess you could say. And that wasn't really in Maryland at the time. So we picked up and we drove across the country to Santa Fe, New Mexico, where she very quickly integrated into a community like a women's group and uh, crystal shamans and Native American ceremony and Reiki circles and all these things. And she really like found her people. She found her place. Um, And then three months after we moved from Maryland to New Mexico, my mother was walking one night and she was hit by a truck and she died very suddenly. And, you know, this was just shortly after we had moved. We didn't have any family here or anything like that. Um, And that was very difficult for me as a child. You know, growing up, I was eight years old when that happened. And then growing up as a teenager in Santa Fe, I was quite the troublemaker, Um, you know, just got into a lot of just destructive things. And that was my way of unconsciously dealing with the trauma that I had of losing my mother at such a young age. Um, And then when I was about 17 years old, I just remember one day I felt guided to my mom's old bookshelf, not really knowing why. And and now I understand that my mom was like gently nudging me like, here you go, you need to be like right here. Um, And there was a book on the bookshelf that stuck out to me that was all about Reiki. And it was called The Reiki Torch by Karen Mitchell. And I just opened that book up and I started reading just some random passage in there. And I just had this whole like download and flashback to these times when my mom used to do Reiki on me as a child. And it just made me feel so incredibly connected to my mom in that moment. And I was just like, I need to learn Reiki. Like I know that I'm going to be doing Reiki at some point in my life. Um, And I, and I did a lot of research on Reiki for the next couple of years. So I didn't find my Reiki master teacher immediately. Um, I ended up going to massage school first and then learned about intuitive presence healing. And then after I graduated from massage school, I ended up finding my Reiki master teacher, Wendy Jordan. Um, And yeah, that was in 2013 And ever since then, I've been practicing and teaching Reiki since 2015. And it's just been an incredible healing thing for me because it's really brought me back that connection to my mother that I felt like I had lost as a child. Um, And it's just amazing. I've had several students during workshops and several clients during healing sessions that are like, 
I keep seeing this woman with like blue eyes and blonde hair and like I have no idea who she is. She's just like really happy to be here. And I'm like, yeah, that's my mom, you know, and I just know that she's doing this work with me. And so that's one of the reasons why it's so meaningful to me. Um, Another point in that story is that when my mom was hit by the truck when she was walking, she was listening to Native American flute music. And so she was listening to a CD by this man named Robert Mirabal called Tao's Tales. And that CD became such a sacred object for me after she passed away. Like I would listen to that CD, experience these flute sounds and would just feel connected to my mother. Um, And so that's how the Native American flute kind of came into the story. And that's why that instrument is so sacred for me. Um, And so you know, what I'm doing now is kind of infusing Reiki and these Native American flute sounds to offer the medicine that it is that I'm sharing with the world right now. That's so powerful. Uh, Thank you for sharing. Of course. I I love that, like, both both of these, you know, specialties, focuses, loves, passions in your life, like, are connected to your mom. I think that's really incredible. And I'm always envious of people who (laughs) grew up with parents, you know, whether mothers or fathers who were spiritually inclined and, and therefore had, had that in their life, you know, totally from a young age. Um, so you mentioned the Sakem and I'd love for you to also kind of share about that. Well, I guess maybe if you could just give us like a a brief overview on what Riki Mm -hmm. is, I think it's quite known, but just in case we get someone here who's listening who isn't familiar, and then kind of share with us what Sakem is and kind of the difference between the two. That would be really cool. Cool. Yeah. So Reiki can be described in many different ways, but the Reiki is a Japanese practice, right? And the kanji symbols for Reiki are two different symbols. One is Rei and one is Ki. Most people are familiar with Ki or Chi or Prana, It's been called many different things in many different cultures, but essentially it's life force energy. It's chi. It's um, the energy that animates all living things. So that's the key part of Reiki. Rei means spiritual wisdom or spirit or soul. So when you put the two kanji symbols together, it can be loosely translated as spiritually guided life force energy. So it's the life force energy called chi that is being guided by the wisdom of spirit called Rei. So as Reiki practitioners, we then become a channel for the spiritually guided life force energy to flow through. And so rather than us being healers or being like people that have special powers that can take away other people's problems, we provide an opportunity for people to heal themselves. And so I feel like each one of us has this inner healer inside of us. And Reiki gives each person the opportunity for that inner healer to get to work you know, and move whatever energy is needing to move in that moment. Um, and as Reiki practitioners, we're, we're simply just a channel for that opportunity to take place. Um, and yeah, both, both Reiki and Sekem are complete spiritual practices in and of themselves. They're not a religion. There's no dogmas or anything that you must believe in order to practice these modalities. Um, Sekem is similar to Reiki in some ways, but also like completely different. So Sekem is the energy that is said to have been used in ancient Egypt during the time of the Great Pyramid, where they were using these vibrations and sounds 
um, for the sake of raising their vibration, raising their consciousness, and coming into what we might call enlightenment. So they were using these energies in, you know, these different ceremonies and rituals that they were doing to connect more deeply with spirit or universal life force or whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, yeah. So Sekem can actually be translated as powers of powers. Um, how does all that feel? Do you want me to elaborate on any of that? <laughs> well, no. I mean, like, I so one one of the parts uh, which I kind of like to dive into a little bit is, you know, the healing ourselves thing. Uh, I know that, like, within my own Reiki practice, and certainly in working with clients, you know, there's this, um, there's always kind of this, like, even within my own, like, with my akashic readings, you know, with clients, I think folks kind of view, you know, our relationship as this like hierarchical, you know, I know more than they do. I have more wisdom than they do or something of that nature. When of course, for me, the way that I view it is very much that this is a partnership. You know, I am here to just kind of help you know what you already know. You just aren't aware that you know, right. Mm -hmm. Um, or bring these things to the surface in the midst of the Akashic, but I'd love to have you kind of share a little bit more about how that healing ourselves work, you know, how that kind of, how that is possible. Cause I'm sure folks who aren't familiar or don't practice Reiki are like, what I'm healing <laughs> myself. That's that, that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I firmly believe that we all have this inner healer that lives inside of each one of us. A lot of the time, it's just a matter of moving the gunk out of the way that's blocked us from being connected to that part of ourselves. Um, And so the gunk can be like past traumas that we've experienced, or it can be limiting beliefs or things that we were taught growing up as children that made us view the world in a specific sort of way. Um, And through these beliefs and things that we were taught by, you know, parents, by teachers, by influential people in our lives when we were small children we gather all these things that teach us that we don't have this inner healer you know and maybe not like so directly saying it in those words but the idea is that you need to look outside of yourself in order to be healed or in order to get what it is that you're supposed to get Um, and I feel like Reiki has this way of clearing out that stuff that blocks us from being connected to that part that's always there. We just forget about it. Um, So yeah, Reiki gives that inner healer the opportunity to balance or to release energy that's getting in the way or to bring in new life force energy or whatever it is. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So with with your clients, like what are some of the things that you have seen that they've been able to shift in their life or maybe heal or grow through whatever the case may be. Totally. I think like one of the most potent times of my life in sharing Reiki is when I got to offer Reiki at these retreats in Angel Fire, New Mexico that were called the National Veterans Wellness and Healing Center. So these were seven day retreats that included things like Reiki, Native American ceremony, um, like medicine wheel walks, pipe ceremony, It also had counseling and education and taught somatic healing to these people. 
Um, but it was a government-funded program, so none of the participants had to pay to be there. But they had to have a certain level of PTSD, so they had to be like at a very high level. So everybody that was in there was kind of in this place of completely feeling lost, completely feeling disconnected, some, some of them on the verge of suicide, and this kind of being like the last hurrah to try to like fix things. And so I worked with these men and women and it was just so incredible because a lot of them weren't spiritual people. You know, a lot of them didn't believe in, in things like Reiki, um, but they were at this point in their life where they were just like, I'm going to try anything at this point, you know? And that is what really showed me the true power of Reiki is working with these men and women that would come in very timid and kind of like unsure and kind of like, what the heck is this? What are you about to do to me? <laughs> And me just having to like take a deep breath and being like, whoa, like how do I show up for this? This is huge. But just trusting that I was there in that moment for a reason. And it really like taught me that all I needed to do was place my hands down and get out of the way. You know, it was like Reiki was going to give that person exactly what they needed. I didn't need to do anything. I just needed to be there and be the channel for this energy to flow through. So I had quite a few experiences with these men and women that just blew my mind. Like there was this one retired uh, Navy SEAL and he had been injured in in his service um, and he had a little service dog with him as well. But he was this big guy, like big, burly biker looking guy. And he was quite intimidating, you know, and he knew that about himself. Um, but he walked into the treatment room that day and was kind of just like really gruff and like kind of quiet and like a little standoffish. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I had him lay down on the table. His service dog was laying down like kind of beneath the table, which also felt really cool. Um, but after about 10 minutes of sending him Reiki, he just stopped and he was like, Zach, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. And I was like, uh oh. <laughs> and he was like, but for the first time in 15 years, I don't feel any pain. And I was like, whoa, you know, because to me, like, I, it's not like I felt like I was doing anything special. I was really just going through the Reiki hand positions and just like doing what I knew how to do in that moment. But as a result, this person was not experiencing any pain in their body when they be, became so used to just being in pain constantly every moment of their life. And just after like 10 minutes of doing Reiki and I ended up doing a full hour session for him. But even just after 10 minutes, for that to be the feedback that it gave me of like, I feel no pain in my body and I haven't felt this in the last 15 years since this happened. It was just incredible to know that I could help to create the opportunity for somebody to experience something like that. And really just understanding that like he created that opportunity for himself, you know, turning it back to that inner healer where Reiki gave him the opportunity to experience no pain, but it was really him working with the Reiki energy that created that experience for himself. Rather than like Zach the Reiki guy healing this person of all their ailments or anything, it's really that this person took that energy and was able to use that for their own self-healing. And um, yeah, there was just countless experiences with these veterans and with their spouses as well, because their spouse was going through the program with them. And it was just incredible to see, you know, and work with people that like weren't into Reiki, they weren't into meditation, they weren't into any of these things. And yet they were having these profound experiences on the table. And it was just person after person after person, like I was doing Reiki every day, 
for about five hours a day for these for the entirety of these seven day workshops. And I did like five of these retreats. And every single time it was just so powerful and just like also like so frightening at at certain moments to be there and be like, can I really do this? Like, can I really like step into this role and be here? And it showed me like, yeah, you can, you know, unless you wouldn't be here if, (laughs) you know, if you couldn't do this. Um, I love that. Yeah, exactly. There's like, Mm -hmm. there's two things that I'd like to touch on. So I think first, my, my question to you is, so in regards to him healing himself, do you think it was the, like simply the fact that he said that he like opened himself up to it? Do you think that that was what enabled his spirit to work with Ricky so that this healing could take place? Or what do you think that that was that, that made the difference there for him? Yeah, uh, that's a very interesting question because like, what comes to mind to say first is that I don't think that he came in with an openness. You know, I think Mm -hmm. he kind of came in being like, this is silly. This isn't going to work, you know, just totally skeptical that it was going to do anything, but he was like, all right, whatever, I'll lay down on this table and let this person do Reiki on me. Um, I think it totally caught us both by surprise for him to have that experience, you know? And, um, so I can't say exactly. I, I would say that maybe it was just the right time in that moment for him to experience that. And um, I mean, I, I, that was several years ago now. So I don't know if that's had lasting results for him or if that was something that was more temporary. Um, but I do know that in that moment, it felt very sacred and it felt very powerful to be a part of that experience with this person. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me, you know, this, and I don't think that, you know, it's like, there's so many different things within the metaphysical that I don't think we could ever fully understand while in human bodies, you know, and I think that this is just one of those things where it's like, because I'm sure like in my mind, anyway, I'm visualizing him coming in being like, this is dumb, whatever, maybe like it'll, I don't know, you know, but Totally. But he did choose to come and he did, he did choose to lay down and he did choose to at least give it a chance. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was like that, that uh, participation on his end. Um, it's, it's just a fascinating thing to me. I, I, I'd love to also kind of just touch on um, what it is as a practitioner because this is something, of course, I've experienced, you know, as an Akashic reader. And I know it's something that like all of us experience, right? This, this shift from, from uh, questioning whether or not we can do it, mm. you know, and then like learning how to kind of get out of the way and allow spirit, you know, source, universe, whatever to come in and, and take over. Um, and it feels like to me when you were talking about um, you know, the working with these folks, it just felt like a baptism almost, Sure, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like, okay, I don't know if I can do this. Well, guess what? By the end of these seven <laughs> days, <laughs> you might think about that a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'd love for you to share with, with us a little bit about that process for you, you know, mm-hmm. the, the switch that, cause it's a bit of a journey, right? Right. Well, it's it kind of ties into what we were talking about a little bit before with like, you know, the ego and the soul. 
where like sometimes the ego thinks that we're supposed to be doing something, but then there's also other times when the ego holds this fear and this like belief that maybe we're not good enough to do the thing. So it's kind of like sometimes the ego is blocking us by having this belief that we're not good enough or that somebody else could do this, but not me. And so again, it's kind of like bypassing the ego and surrendering into like, okay, I'm going to trust that I'm here in this moment for a reason, you know? And I, I firmly believe that every person that we do a session with, there's like a soul contract between us and that person on some level in some time of the cosmos, you know, our souls signed up to be in that room in that moment doing this work for a reason. Um, and I think it's like, again, just that surrender piece of like when the ego comes up and is scared and afraid and says like, I don't know if I can do this, just breathing with that and surrendering into trust that you're in the moment that you need to be in for a reason and just letting go and letting it flow. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. You know, I, I love the, I love the perspective of, I wouldn't be here if I'm not supposed to be right. I wouldn't be working with this person if I wasn't supposed to be. Um, I think that really kind of takes the, the pressure off, off yourself, the, the, Mm -hmm. the focus on yourself and just kind of places it on the time and space. It's kind of like, you know, when you get up to do public speaking, right? Like if you're just focused on yourself, you're going to be so nervous. You're going to be like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. But if you're focused on like, at least for me, this is how I always have, you know, flip that. It's just like the audience, the audience, mm-hmm. right? I'm here for the audience. How can I give? How can I serve? How can I show up and be here? How exactly. can I offer value? You know, what can I make sure they walk away with? You know what I mean? And like yeah. flipping that off of me to them. And then I'm not concerned about me. I'm just like, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share. Um, and that's that's always useful for me. Um, so a little bit before we kind of transition, like I'd love to know just a little bit more about the SACEM because this mm-hmm. is not something that, you know, before I connected with you online, I had never heard of this before. So yeah. are these sorts of sessions, are they similar to Reiki? Like what, what can you do with this SACEM? Yeah, so it's applied when you're doing it in terms of like a healing session and offering that to other people as a service. It is applied in pretty much the exact same way that Reiki would be applied, where you can do it through in-person sessions with direct healing, hands-on healing, slightly off the body. Um, You can do distance healing sessions with it, kind of like you can in Reiki. Um, For me, my relationship with Sekem has been more so like a personal development practice, I would say, where... Like I went through my Reiki training, Reiki level one, Reiki level two, the master level, master teacher training. And then that's when I started diving into Sekem energy. Um, And Sekem felt very similar, but also like more, I don't want to use the word more powerful because I don't really like comparing the two in that way. But I perceive Reiki to be like more of a gentle, mothering, nurturing sort of energy. Whereas Sekem can be a bit more fiery of like, let's get in there and move some shit around so that we can like get to the source of healing. And so when I'm working with both Reiki and Sekem, I feel like they complement each other very well, where Reiki will come in and be very soothing and be very nurturing and like, I got you. Whereas Sekem can kind of be like that. I don't know if you've seen that meme where like God is like flicking somebody off of the cliff 
And they're like, <laughs> you're ready. Sitcom's kind of like that in some ways where it's like, it's going to get you to where you need to go. And it might be a bit rough all- along the journey. But then having Reiki in there is kind of like you're floating on a cloud as you're like being kicked off of that cliff. <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that helps at all with understanding. Yeah, for sure. And and cool. Sikhem was like a, this was like one of the primary methods of healing back in Egyptian times. Is that correct? Yeah, like ancient Egyptian times, they were using this energy in the Great Pyramids for these activations, essentially, you know, connecting with the Sikhem energy, especially in the king's chamber, in the king's sarcophagus. Which, if you look into, like, the story of how Sikhem was brought back, it was brought back in the 70s by this man named Patrick Ziegler, who I've actually come to know and become good friends with at this point. Um, that's another that's another thing entirely. But he had this experience where he spent a night in the king's sarcophagus. Um, and he kind of, like, snuck in there and hid and, like, waited for everybody to leave and then went and laid in the king's sarcophagus. And this is a dream that he had had ever since he was a child of him doing this. Wow. And within that, he kind of had this experience similar to Makao Usui with Reiki, where he had like this beam of blue light, like hit him in the third eye. And like he went through this whole like attunement, essentially like a spontaneous initiation and for a couple of years after that, he didn't really know what to do with this energy. He didn't really understand it. He didn't under, um, he didn't know what he was supposed to do with it or why it had come to him. And he ended up going to somebody that was a channeler. And this channeler channeled this being called Sekhmet, which is like this 2,000-year-old like Sekhem um, deity of sorts or this like, you know, energy that holds it down. And he kind of got the download through this session, through this channeling of what it was that he got attuned to and what it was he was supposed to do with this. Um, and now he's traveling around the world hosting these all of Sikhem workshops um, where he teaches people how to connect with this energy and to use this energy for the sake of spiritual development. The way he teaches it is not really like a hands-on practice. You know, that's that's the lineage that I was trained in, Kashan Sikhem that also uses all of Sekem, it was structured more like Reiki in that you could use this as a healing practice with others. But the way that Patrick uses it is more of like, this is a way, this is a path for us to follow for our own self-work and getting connected and reaching this place called enlightenment that, you know, we hear so many people talk about. Hmm. So how does, uh, so share a little bit more, like, Tell me more. Like, how does one use Sekem to do that? Is that yeah. like self-healing? Is that like just spending time with this energy? Is that, um, I'm, I'm just, my brain's like, tell me how. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> like, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. So it's very interesting. So like, obviously going to an all of Sekem workshop is probably going to be like the most potent and powerful way of connecting with the energy. For sure. But he's also created like YouTube videos where people can go watch this video. And through watching the video, oftentimes people have this spontaneous initiation. So it's almost like they'll start connecting with the energy directly. And I think with Sekem especially, that's kind of how it happens, is by connecting with the Sekem energy, um, really start starting to build a relationship and have a conversation with that energy. And through our intention of connecting with it, that energy like 
is able to come in and like move energy in a big way throughout our body. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. There is like in the workshops, there are initiations kind of like in Reiki where there's the attunements. So there are, um, initiations or attunements in Sikhem as well, but oftentimes what Patrick does in a workshop is that he guides people to connect directly with the Sikhem energy so that they can actually have that attunement through connecting with the energy as opposed to like through some teacher that like passes attunements for everybody. I love that. Yeah. It's just, it's fascinating to me. Um, I know I've got some past lives in Egypt, I think as, as many of us do, but the first time that I saw that, I was like, Ooh, I need yeah. to know more. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm totally going to be checking him out and checking the video out. Yeah. Um, so I actually might be hosting him in Santa Fe, New Mexico for an all of Sikhem workshop, which would be like a four day immersion sort of thing. Um, so I just got to talk with him on a zoom call the other day and we talked about creating this opportunity and he was really excited about it. And I felt really grateful and excited for the opportunity to help make this happen. Um, but yeah, so there's, there, there might be an opportunity in the next few months for you to learn more about it in that way if you wanted to. Yeah. And folks will have to, have to stay tuned, connect with you to stay on top of that. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I kind of wanted to loop back around here to in the midst of this conversation is this redirection that we kind of spoke about from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, as I shared with you, I just think that this is, you know, this being redirected, this surrender is just so important for all of us to kind of sink ourselves into in in this in these times because I think a lot of us, you know, I mean, the pandemic really woke people up, right, in so many yeah. different ways. And totally. I think you know the whole the big exodus of people leaving their work, you know, like this is just so many of us are going through this in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to just kind of, you know, talk about a little bit about this surrender for you, because you had, you know, put a lot of time and energy and money and all of this into creating your, your online uh, Reiki Academy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. things weren't going well. And so then you surround, surrendered and ended up opening up to like stepping into this beautiful, like sound healing Um, and I'd love for you just to share a little bit more about that with us in regards to where you were at. Yeah. So when I started online Reiki Academy, which was in 2020, it was to find a way to teach people Reiki still amidst these pandemic times when I couldn't do in-person workshops anymore. And I had already been running another online coaching program. Um, and so it was very easy for me to like create this whole program and put a ton of energy into it. And it just all flowed. It all felt like it was in flow. Um, the first month I signed like six students for the program and it just seemed like things were just flowing with it without me having to try, you know? Um, and after a couple of years, like that sense of flow, that sense of it feeling good even for me to do it felt like I was having to fake it. You know, it felt like I was having to force myself to do something that no longer felt in alignment 
out of this sense of obligation of like, no, this is my baby. I created this thing. I have to do this. This needs to work. This needs to be the thing. And so that's sort of the energy that I started putting into it was like from the sense of obligation instead of from the sense of flow and passion and like inspiration, which is where it started from. And so I started to notice that within my own body and within my own being and and was just like, I'm not going to do this. You know, I'm not going to do this if this doesn't feel like it's aligned anymore. And so I really had to come into this place, which sucked. You know, I wasn't happy about it at the time. I was like, damn, like I put so much energy into this. Like what's happening? Why isn't it flowing all of a sudden? And why doesn't it even feel good for me to do anymore? And then amidst that process, I was going through all this like chaos and like, you know, death sort of situation in my life. Um, the ending of relationship problems with my ex-wife and like some things surrounding my children and just a lot of really intense things that were happening to where I just felt like I was defeated, completely defeated and utterly defeated. Like I had failed. Um, and I just came into this place of complete surrender of like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing anymore. And I'm just letting go of any sort of idea or like, thought of what I thought it was supposed to look like. So during this time that was kind of like the most vulnerable that I felt in a very long time, the only thing that felt good for me to do was to play the flute. The only like any, any moment that I was just feeling so overwhelmed or just like so defeated or just kind of like down and out, I would just pick up one of my flutes and I would just play it. And I just started pressing record on my phone during that process when I was doing that. Like I was like, well, I'm going to be doing this anyway, so I might as well share it with other people. (laughs) And I think it was probably people felt how powerful that was for me to be able to play the flute. And I think that's why the TikTok took off is because people could really feel that this was healing me by being able to share this. And then as a result, they started experiencing healing. Like it's wild There's one video that's got like 1.6 million views at this point, and it's got like 21,000 comments. And all of these comments are just people saying what they're experiencing. They're having like these huge somatic releases. They're having like these energetic cleansings. They're like tears streaming down the face. And like, it's just been powerful for me to just be like, whoa, you know, sharing something that just means so much to me and like is something that I needed ended up serving other people as well. And it was just crazy because it came from this place of feeling completely defeated by life, completely like beat up and bruised and broken. And the only thing that just felt like I had the energy to do was just create these Reiki infused flute videos on TikTok. Um, And it was just like, I went from having less than a thousand followers to in a couple days getting 10,000, a couple days later, 20,000, a couple days after that, 30,000, week after that, 40,000. And it's just continued to consistently grow. And this is all in the past few months. So this all, like that one viral video I posted on January 31st. And then it's kind of like been since then. So just these past few months, so many opportunities have presented for me that like just weren't there before, you know, just the old life had to die completely and I had to let go of any sort of idea of what my life was supposed to look like 
so that spirit could kind of come in and be like, all right, let's let's mix this up a bit. (laughs) Boom. This is where you're supposed to be. And I had to really just trust in that process and allow myself to let go and surrender to what I thought it was supposed to look like to come into the magic of what it is now. Yeah. I, it's so like, as you were talking and kind of sharing the story, I, I was, you know, kind of going back in my mind and remembering like when I first saw these videos, um, that you were sharing on Facebook and I felt that pain. I felt that like there was something really, there's something very deep in the midst of, and they, and they're, they were really short videos, right? It's not like mm-hmm. they, they were long videos, but there was something that was very, that, again, all I can really say is that there was like great depth to them and I could feel pain, but at the same time I could feel, you know, I could feel a shift. I could feel a, the, I think the ones that I first started saving were the ones that were like kind of focused on the chakras, you know, mm-hmm. that were like, do you feel this? And it was like the first one that I listened to it was solar plexus chakra, which was something I was really struggling with at the time. And it was like, as soon as it started playing, I was like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that feels good. (laughs) I love that. Um, But, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I did, I felt this, there was a, there was pain underneath it. And what I just think is so powerful about your story. And again, you know, you and I were not like fully connected in that. Like I wasn't all up in your business. I had no idea what was going on and your personal life or anything of that nature, but watching it from the outside was just, it was really cool to watch you come and do something that you clearly just loved doing and then it take off for you in this way. And I love that, you know, this, this joy, right? This thing that like was helping you to heal and helping you and you just wanted to share it with other people how, how it has shifted for you. What do you, what do you think it is about, about that process that, that makes, cause I mean, I think we, we often hear about this, right? That people end up stumbling into success in one way or another. And success is such a weird word, right? Mm-hmm. But we, we end up stumbling into kind of like our thing or, you know, one of our like big passions just right. kind of accidentally. Um, but I'd love to know more about like what you think it is, how that joy like brings that all together. Yeah. So like what, what comes up for me to share around this is like, so I'll start by saying that I have been working with business coaches for like the past four or five years, trying to figure out my niche, you know? And the reason I bring that up is because like, I feel like my niche kind of found me or it was staring at me in the face the whole time and I couldn't see it. Um, But it was like, I I spent so much time trying to figure out what's my niche, what's my thing, like what's what's the thing that's gonna make me stand out and all this stuff. And finally in that moment of just complete surrender and being like, you know what, like I don't give a fuck anymore. Hopefully (laughs) hopefully that's okay for me to speak that way. But I just had to come to that place and that's where like it was, that was kind of the frustration level that I had of like, I don't give a fuck anymore what my niche is or who my ideal client is or like doing direct message outreach like I was just so done at that point and I just felt completely defeated and through finding what brought me true joy in a time of really heavy heaviness 
I just realized like, holy crap, my niche just found me, you know, like this is it. Like the Reiki infused flute music is my way of standing out and sharing my medicine in a way that just feels completely joyful and just flows, you know? Um, well, it was just being you, right? It was just being you. That's it. That's all you were doing was showing up, just being yourself, sharing something that you loved, sharing something that was healing you at the time. There was no, no other, uh, connection other than that, you know, like it's really just that simple, but like make it so much more complicated, you know? Yeah, there was no intention. You know, I had never had any intention for anything to happen with my TikTok. It was just kind of like something that I just started. I started it last year in July. Um, and for months and months, it was just crickets. But it was during this time when I was experiencing so much pain that it just took off. And like you were saying, I think people could just feel how real it was. You know, there was a depth to it, but there was also this like very healing aspect to it as well. And like you said, it was just me showing up as me, not caring anymore, like if it came off a certain way or being perceived a certain way, it was just like, I'm just going to show up, press record, play something on the flute. And every time I play, I just feel like I get into, it's kind of like doing Reiki for me, where I just get into this channel sort of space. Um, And also what's unique about like my approach to doing the flute music is that I'm using these two Reiki techniques. One is called Kokiho, which is healing with the breath. And the other is called Kiyoshiho, which is healing with the eyes. So throughout my videos, I use this soft gaze, which is actually sending Reiki through the eyes. And then you can draw Reiki symbols on the roof of your mouth and then blow that onto objects. So what I would do is get into that Reiki state of mind, draw Reiki symbols on the roof of my mouth before I play, and then just blow Reiki through the flute and just come into the state of being a complete channel for whatever was supposed to come through, whatever transmission or download was supposed to come through sound and vibration. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of like how the Reiki infused aspect of the music comes into play. I love that. You like totally read my mind because that was going to be my next question. Like explain (laughs) the Reiki infused. So you like went there perfectly. That's so cool. I've never heard the like um, about doing the Reiki symbols on the top of your mouth. That's interesting. So it's a matter of like your voice and then also (laughs) through your eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the breath and the eyes. Um, Those techniques can also be used within like a healing session as well. So say you're like doing Reiki at the top of somebody's head. And you just feel like you need to move the work down to like the sacrum or the feet. You can draw a Reiki symbol like the Chokurei on the roof of your mouth with your tongue and then blow it onto a specific area. So there's like lots of different ways to work with those techniques as well. But they're Japanese Reiki techniques um, that Usui and Hayashi and Takata were all using whenever they were practicing Reiki. That's so cool. I'm going to so be like blowing on my food. I mean, I already yes. put like chokure on my food and stuff, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to play around with that. That's awesome. It's That's a lot cool. of fun. You're going to love it. Let me know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, I want to just kind of wrap this up here. We're going to, um, do a close, like my lightning round per usual. And then Zachariah is going to share some music with us, which I'm really pumped about. But mm-hmm. first, um, before we jump into the lightning round, I'd love for you to just kind of share with us the different ways in which you're working with people now. 
um, and how people can connect with you. Um, we'll be providing all the links and those sorts of things in the show notes, but, um, yeah, if you could share that with us. Yeah. So there's lots of different moving pieces happening in my life right now. Um, with this whole recent growth of TikTok, I actually have recorded an album and put that out. Um, it's available on all major streaming platforms. And my artist name is Zachariah Grace. And then the album's called Walking Home. And then I also have a 30-minute single out called Sacred Waters. So, and just the feedback I've gotten from my audience of like, people are using this in, in the healing sessions that they're doing. People are using it in their meditation. People are just using it to relax and calm. People are using it to help their kids calm down before bed and actually get them to go to sleep. And so it's so beautiful for me to hear how these recorded sounds that I've put out are being used by so many different people all across the world um, and that they're having really deeply healing experiences with that. So I would say that's one way that I'm working with people is through music and sound and like my album. Um, my TikTok is still, it's still something I'm putting energy into pretty regularly. Um, the other thing is that I am now doing online Reiki Academy again, but like in a completely different energy than before, you know, before it was like, Oh, I'm running this business. And now it's like, Oh, people want to learn Reiki, but they can't come to Santa Fe. Okay. Here's an option for them to be able to work with me and learn Reiki with me is online Reiki Academy. Um, then of course I'm still teaching Reiki in person in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and actually just established a new school here called Southwest School of Reiki, um, which is more of a long-form Reiki training. Traditionally, Reiki's taught in two-day workshops, and Southwest School of Reiki is making it a long-form to where, for example, Reiki Level 1 would be taught in four workshops, one workshop a week for a month. So it would take a month to go through the Reiki Level 1 training which allows my students to have more hands-on experience instead of just trying to cram everything into these two days where you're like supposed to just learn it all and then go out into the world and be expected to just know what to do. I'm, I'm working longer with students so that they really get that experience of doing the thing. Which as a, as a Reiki practitioner myself, holy fire Reiki is, is my thing. But I mean, you know, you and I had shared a little bit about this when I saw your online Reiki Academy is just that um, both my level one, level two, I mean, I just, you know, it, it went so fast. There was not mm -hmm. enough hands-on. There wasn't enough information. You know, I like, I yeah. didn't have that space to ask the questions. I didn't have that space to really absorb it, you know, yeah. and like, we're all different learn, like we all learn differently. And, and for some folks, I think going super fast, cool. That'll work for them. But for yeah. those of us who like to nerd out with whatever it is that we're learning, um, I just think this is wonderful because I think that a lot more people would actually utilize Reiki in their life if they were actually taught in a more longer form versus just like show right. up for a day, you know, or two, and then like regurgitate and like, Oh, here, there you go. Now you could just go on your way like that. Totally. That's a whole different rant, but right. I'm very excited to hear that you're doing this. And that's also kind of how the online Reiki Academy goes as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's actually what inspired me to do in-person training this way, um, which another cool aspect of that, which I'll share in a moment. But 
I was doing Reiki level one in four weeks in online Reiki Academy. I was doing Reiki level two in four weeks. And then the third part of online Reiki Academy for people that want this, I offer it just as the eight week and also the 12 week. The 12 week is like teaching people how to start and grow a Reiki business. Um, But I just noticed that having more time to drop in with the information and to really practice it and absorb it in like increments rather than like getting all this information and then like trying to figure out, you know, what to do. I mean, I've been teaching in-person workshops since 2015, and I've seen some students really thrive where they took the two-day workshop and they took off with Reiki and they're still using it today and still using it with clients and family and friends and on themselves. But majority of students would come to that two-day workshop, have incredibly healing and like powerful experiences in those two days. But then afterwards, they would go back to their regular routine of daily life where Reiki didn't necessarily fit into that. And so being able to work with people more long-term helps them to develop a habit or a routine of working with the energy so that it becomes just like this automatic thing as opposed to something that you have to really... There's a lot of self-accountability that comes in for each student when you come for a two-day workshop. It really is, it rests on their shoulders beyond that two days, whether they choose to use the tools or not. Um, And once somebody receives an attunement, they have and can do Reiki forever. However, it's through the consistent dedication and practice that one really builds that relationship with Reiki, which is why one of the Reiki principles is, in Japanese, it's gyo hageme, which means work hard. It's talking about the dedication of really building a relationship and using those tools first and foremost on the self and then being able to use it with others as well. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy to hear that. I just think that, you know, in our, in our fast food society, um, we don't value education with these tools. Like, like we should, you know, Mm -hmm. like when you go to college and you want to like, learn something, you have to at least take it for an entire semester, you know? And when you're talking about learning how to work with energy, which most of us have like no context for being able to get that in a day or two, I think just, you know, I think a large percentage of us are going to need a lot more. So I love the accountability. Yeah. Um, I love that. Okay. So what else? So there's the the sound healing. I'm also doing a lot of events. So through the TikTok, I've had people reach out. Um, like I'm going to be fl- flown out to Atlanta, Georgia for this multidimensional conference that's happening with these like world-class speakers that are kind of like the original people of consciousness movement in the West. Um, but they just found me through some sort of social media and flew me or they're paying for my plane ticket to fly me out there they're going to pay me to perform and like do this whole thing where again this is just an opportunity that presented that I would have never foreseen or saw but you know it's just another way to be able to share my personal medicine with people you know through being the channel for these Reiki infused flute sounds um there's the Southwest School of Reiki there's online Reiki Academy I also run a private practice here in Santa Fe, New Mexico called Santa Fe Healing Arts, um, which is at the Santa Fe Community Yoga Center where I offer massage therapy and Reiki sessions to people um, in person. 
And let's see, I was recently teaching massage therapy at the Body Mechanics School of Massage. So that was another piece. And then probably the most important job that I have is that of being a father. So I have two daughters. Um, My oldest is 10, youngest is six, and I'm teaching them both Reiki as well, which is really cool because I get to do it in kind of this long form sort of way where it has to just be these short bursts because my kids are still so young and attention can only be held for so long, (laughs) but they're loving it, you know, and and they're learning Reiki from their dad, which feels really meaningful to me because in a lot of ways, I feel like my mom has taught me, even though she's never officially been like my Reiki teacher in the physical, she's been one of my biggest guides. And like, so now we have the three generations of Reiki practitioners with my mom, myself, and my children. I'm also teaching them how to play the flute because they just absolutely love going on and bragging about how their dad is like got the big TikTok and everything. And so now they're like, I want to do this, you know, and they want to learn how to infuse flute music with Reiki so that they can do what dad does. So yeah, those are all the different moving pieces, I would say. Probably forgetting some, but that feels complete. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into the lightning round. So first of all, Uh, my first question is, these are just real quick, short answers. So what is the one habit that you can't live without? Hmm. I mean, am I allowed to say Reiki? (laughs) You can say whatever. I had one guest who said sex. You can say whatever you want. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that like, I would say Reiki. It has become a habit for me after practicing it for so long, but Reiki's always been that thing that I can turn to anytime I'm going through some shit in life. When when life feels really heavy and everything feels like it's working against you, Reiki is the practice or the habit that I can turn to that like helps bring me back into res- resource no matter of what else is going on. Um, so I would say that's a practice I can't really live without for sure. Awesome. Okay. Number two, what does spirituality mean for you? That's a big question. (laughs) Um, Spirituality means, I mean, we are spiritual beings. We're also physical beings. We also have a mind. We also have emotions. Spirituality to me is connecting with that aspect of us that is spirit or soul Um, and really just like integrating that in with our ego, our personality, our human form. So spirituality to me is like a process of integrating that soul spiritual self into our physical personality self and like getting those two to be one. Love it. Okay. Last question. What is your advice to anyone who's looking to find purpose? Well, messy action over perfect action for one. You know, like I feel like we learn so much through our mistakes and through our perceived failures. Um, And a lot of times what holds people back is just not having clarity around what it is that they're supposed to be doing, you know. And I think through that messy action, we end up finding our way to purpose as opposed to like getting so crystal clear about what our purpose is and then acting on it and then taking action. Because I felt like that's what I tried to do for so long was like, this is my purpose. And then I tried to find different ways of like making that purpose happen. And it wasn't until that moment of complete surrender and letting go where purpose found me, you know? Um, But again, it was just through consistent action. Like 
And it wasn't like a big action necessarily. Like when I was sharing those, those TikToks, it was just like stick 60 second videos. All I had to do was set up my camera, press record, play the flute. And that was that, you know? Um, and so it was just that messy action, not really knowing what to do and being okay with not knowing, but still continuing to show up. And I think like the thing about purpose and passion is that we don't always feel connected to it. Sometimes it can be hard to show up when we're not feeling as inspired or connected to that pers- that that purpose and that passion. And that's when those moments of like the yin come in, the passive, where it's like we take that time to really just be as opposed to trying to force things. So that's where the balance of like, yes, we need to take action. And there's also moments when we need to just be and just allow and like kind of reflect. Um, so yeah, you know, I think it's it's a balance of those two things that brings us to our purpose. I love it. Okay, I have one more question for you and it's just like a personal question. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you have a nose ring. I have a nose ring. So tell me about ring. like what, cause I don't see too many guys who have nose rings and I'm just curious why you have a nose ring. Yeah. Like, honestly, it was just the vibe. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, um, I think I was in a place in my life where I just needed to shift something. And like, that felt like kind of like a big way of like shifting my appearance with then, which then like helped me to relate to my physical body in a different way. And just like, it just became a whole vibe <laughs> and it's something that I really love. This was actually only a couple years ago. So probably okay. in like 2020, um, maybe 2021. No, it was probably like 2020. Yeah. And it just felt like something that I needed to do. It's something that I had thought about doing in the past, but was like, oh no, I can't do that. Like, how are people going to perceive me or anything? <laughs> but it very quickly became something that I just loved, you know, and I was like, I, I love it. So it's interesting. I've had a nose ring since I was 14 and okay. I wanted one like, oh man, when I was a kid, I begged my parents to take me to get my nose pierced. And finally one day with my father and my stepmom were like, sitting on the porch drinking margaritas. I was like, there's my chance. And they were like, okay. <laughs> so they took me. I, I had always, I think it's, it's interesting you say it's like a, a, a way of connecting with yourself, like connecting with your body, like those sorts of things. Um, I think there was just something that I needed to feel more like myself. Yeah. And, and, it feels weird to like put that pressure on like a piercing, but for whatever reason, you know, and it's, it's wild to me cause I'm 40 now. And when I look in the mirror, sometimes I'm like, I don't even see it, you know, like it's gone <laughs> and people who are in my life constantly, like don't even see it. You know, they haven't seen it for a long time. Right. It's just a part of me, but, um, yeah, it just helped me to recognize myself more. So I love that. yeah, I would say, yeah, that's similar to me for sure like once I got it I felt more I guess what I mean by like it was a vibe is that like it helped me get into my vibe more you know it helped me get into my own energy and kind of own that uniqueness and the uniqueness of my my look my voice my energy the way I show up all these different things um so yeah that's cool awesome awesome okay so I guess now we can shift into you playing you feel good about that I do Thank you. 
Thank you so much. I, it was interesting. I was, um, you know, just kind of closing my eyes and taking that in and seeing myself as like a little girl kind of like twirling. <laughs> I love that. Being outside. <laughs> so that flute there relates to, it's in the note of D, which relates to the sacral chakra. Mm. Um, and one of the things about the sacral chakra as well as root chakra, but a lot of people say that sacral chakra is actually the original place of the inner child. So it would make sense that in hearing the vibration of those sounds, you would feel this connection to the inner child, inner Anna or little Anna. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. She's, she's my favorite. Yes. She's, she's cool. All right, Zachariah. <laughs> I almost called you something. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and sharing your time with us and your wisdom. It's been such a pleasure talking with you and appreciate you sharing your music as well. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share and to be part of your community and share in that way. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, folks, if you were inspired by today's interview discussion, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, subscribe, share it with a friend, anyone who could benefit from today's many topics. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to sign up for the email list to receive podcast updates and helpful resources. And don't forget, when you invest, when we invest in ourselves, the world benefits. Until next week.